0: You have your Bibles, turn with me to back to the book of Psalms. Psalm two. We looked at Psalm one last Lord's Day. We saw the um, contrast between the righteous and the wicked as a psalm of wisdom but also of the Messiah speaking of the righteous one, the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we have our righteousness. We concluded that psalm with verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Um, Psalm 2 actually is connected to Psalm 1 as we're introduced to the Psalms. We'll talk about that in just a minute, but as you have Psalm 2 before you there, let's hear then what uh, the Psalmist David has to say. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and you perish in the way. For His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. And so may God then add His blessing to this reading of His holy and uh, precious Word of God here in this text of Psalm 2. Um, Psalm 2 actually continues Psalm 1. Uh, I, I know that it's uh, somewhat of a, um, a textural type thing, but when you go back to um, uh, the Talmud and the Old Testament Hebrew text, uh, you find um, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 actually together as a unit. Uh, as a matter of fact, David had a um, had a, a, a little literary way of writing. Uh, he, he would say, uh, Blessed is the man. Remember how Psalm 1 begins? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Well, many of David's songs would begin with a, a phrase of blessed is the man, but he would also end with it. And so the writers of, of the Hebrew knew that uh, the end of the writing of Psalm one and Psalm two uh, came down to the end of Psalm two in verse twelve, and uh, he writes in verse twelve at the end, uh, "Blessed are all, blessed are all who take refuge in Him." So uh, the writers of those of those uh, psalms, as they looked at it, they saw a unity there between Psalm one and Psalm two. It's just that we have made those barriers between them. But I thought that since uh, we have looked at Psalm 1, that perhaps rightly so, we should look at Psalm 2 and uh, see the connection. Uh, we will see that the righteous man uh, is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. You have that borne out actually in uh, Psalm 2, uh, the, the focus of the Son of God. Some uh, who uh, are of uh, Hebrew background say, no, it refers to the king. And his uh, the coming of a king and being established and refers to David and a future king that will be uh, on on the throne and so that's the focus of of uh, some of the interpretation of of Psalm two as it talks about uh, the Lord's anointed and uh, and kingship, uh, but actually uh, Psalm two verifies uh, actually the, the references to uh, the Lord God. I think one of the most profound references that you find. Um, connecting Psalm 2 and the references in Psalm 2 to the reign of the Lord's anointed uh, as referring to the Lord Jesus Christ is found in Acts chapter 2. Uh, there, John and um, Peter have been uh, bound before the Sanhedrin and uh, they are being released and there is a, a, a praise that comes forth uh, from, from them and, and they use uh, Old Testament text uh, I like the New American Standard Version. I, I have that up here too as well as the ESV. But uh, it highlights the Old Testament references in bold. And, uh, and I like that uh, uh, reference. And listen to what uh, the writer Luke says about uh, this incident. Verse 23, And when they had been released, they went uh, to their companions and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is thou who didst make the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, thy servant did say, Why did the Gentile rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, And against his Christ. It's very interesting that the very uh, interpretation of Psalm 2. Regarding the Lord's anointed and his reign. um, John and Peter and Luke make reference in this uh, incident. Of John and Peter's release from the Sanhedrin. And the expression of they connected it where? (laughs) Concerning the reactions of the Sanhedrin. And all the proclamations of the Sanhedrin. For them not to preach this uh, Christ in His gospel. And uh, is it more important for us to uh, obey man rather than God? No, we will obey God. And so uh, that very Psalm 2 is is made reference to as referring to the Lord Jesus Christ and His reign. It's quite powerful. There are a couple of other references, um, especially in the book of Hebrews. You find one reference uh, here in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, remember the superiority of Christ, how it begins in these last days. He's spoken to us through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in, in following through that, the writer of Hebrews uh is speaking of Him more superior than the angels. Remember uh, that type of thing. And in verse 5 says, For to which of angels did He ever say, Thou art My Son, today I have begotten Thee? And He uses the very references Uh, in Psalm 2, speaking of the Lord's anointed, uh, the king that will reign as referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's also a a reference uh, in Hebrews as well in chapter 5, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ in His reign, verse 5 of chapter 5, So also Christ did not glorify Himself uh, so as to become a high priest, but He said to him, Thou art my son, Today I have begotten thee, and just as he also said in another passage, Thou art a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Uh, So you find these references uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as the the one being referred to uh, in Psalm 2. Not just simply uh, the king that is going to take the throne, whether it be David or another king that would subsequently follow David. But it's referring in a broader context to the Lord Jesus Christ as Psalm 2 unfolds. And it unfolds uh, the Lord's anointed, uh, the reign of this, this king uh, is pitted over against the description uh, of the world as being rebellious. The kings and rulers of this world in rebellion against God. It's set in that backdrop, the presentation of Jesus Christ in Psalm 2. And so that's why we read it in the way that we have. Another uh, little thing that I began to pick up is, is that there were two references in the New Testament in the life of Jesus uh, when uh, He came to John the Baptist. Um, remember the voice from heaven? Thou, thou art my Son in whom I am well pleased. I, I, the voice from heaven. Think about the voice from heaven in Jesus is to be, Thou art my Son in whom I am well pleased. And also, remember the ascension, uh, not the ascension, but the uh, transfiguration, uh, the voice from heaven, this is my Son, whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Do you, re- I, I like that little end. Listen to Him. And so those two little New Testament references kind of have this allusion back to Psalm 2 and the declaration uh, that the Father in heaven has uh, His anointed, that He has set apart to be King of the earth. Now, this passage is uh, set apart in, uh, in in actually just four parts. Uh, the first part is uh, in which uh, the narrator speaks, and then the world speaks, the rulers of this world speak. Uh, in the next passage, God speaks, and He responds. And of course, in the next uh, section, uh, the Lord Jesus Himself speaks. Um, and, uh, and then finally, there's an exhortation to us uh, in the final analysis. Um, it, it is amazing to watch uh, the influence of, of the world. Um, we can be very discouraged by what we see in politics in the world in general, um, especially as we see the world setting apart. Against the Lord. It is, a, it is an interesting picture to, to see uh, t- today. And it, it may be easy for us to become discouraged. But this Psalm 2 uh, is very sobering. It, it is very piercing in terms of, of God's work uh, in a rebellious world. God, God is at work. Uh, in his world today. And uh, the narrator begins in this first section of describing that rebellion against God uh, and that uh, vanity. And the narrator comes and the writer says, Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together. Against the Lord and against his anointed, and then the verse three is actually a uh, quotation from one of the kings of the world himself, and this is what uh, it he says. so there's this narrator, and then there's a quote, uh, and this narrator, is speaking of the rebellion, of the rulers of this world and the kings of this world, that doesn't leave it just simply to his narration or to his opinion. He quotes one of the kings. And he says, this is what that king says. He says, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. And uh, 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 we know that the doctrine of sin uh, in its expression is... uh any want of conformity or transgression against the law of God. We know that our, our sin has separated us from God. The danger of remaining in sin apart from Christ and not heeding His call to come to Jesus is uh, one that's very serious uh, because it is, uh, it is not a neutral position that you are in if you turn against the Lord. And you follow the way of this world. We see so much of Psalm 2 uh, in this world in verse 3. Uh, the description of so many today is, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Um, I'm sorry, verse 3. Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Uh, it's described in many ways today. Um, now, you people in the church are... uh irrelevant today because truth is uh, is what we proclaim it to be and and um, truth is different today <laughs> and you people are just left behind you need to get with the program and you need to adopt these new ways that uh, we are prescribing for you uh, as being the right way to live and the right things to accept. And the right way to go, you see. And actually, that's a declaration of verse 3 of Psalm 2. It is a declaration of independence from God. And that is uh, exactly what is being expressed here in this psalm. It is a declaration in these first three verses of man's declaration in his sin of his independence from God. And we see that almost everywhere, don't we? We see that uh, around us Uh, Incredibly so. I'm I'm amazed uh, at at, at the the self-absorption of political power today. I'm I'm amazed at at how much um, sticks of clay declare themselves before a living and holy and righteous eternal God. The boldness of sin in man has expressed itself in ways that I can hardly imagine these days. It's, it's pretty, pretty incredible. And this narrator goes to the heart of it. And you and I have experienced it. We have heard it. We see it from day to day as the declaration of the world. We know better. We know better than God. We are beyond that archaic book and that archaic Galilean that you keep talking about, Jesus. We are far beyond that, and we're not going back. I remember that was one of the political statements. Uh, Don't let them take you back. Don't let them disturb the the progressiveness and the and the new things that we have uh, for, for people. We can, we can do it. We are capable. We have the answers to everything that man needs. And, and we have everything that you need. All you have to do is trust us. Why are the nations in an uproar? And the peoples devising a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand. And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. Their declaration is, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. We want nothing to do with Christ. We want nothing to do with God. We want nothing to do with any proclamation of His truth. And I tell you what, Things haven't changed a whole lot, have they? It's not changed a whole lot. Do you know that one of the... And we we think today is is difficult. It is. But can I tell you at the time Jesus was born, He was born uh, into the Roman Empire. He was born in Bethlehem under the rule of that iron fist. Rome rules with an iron fist. And um, I thought about uh, <laughs> the um, wise men coming from the, the east <laughs> to Herod. Remember Herod? Remember as those wise men came from the east seeking the Lord. It's very interesting at the very meeting of those shepherds, I mean those wise men with Herod, that Herod was conspiring to kill his own son and members of his family because his power was threatened. Very shortly after this, Herod has his own son and his own wife and other children killed in order to preserve his political influence. And then you hear it you hear it as he speaks to the wise men. Um, when you find this king that you are looking for, would you please come back and tell me where he is so I can come and worship him too? Oh boy, I almost hear the... It makes me chilled <laughs> when I when I hear uh, this, this deception and the evil in Herod's manner in this regard. And boy, remember what he does when he finds out that the Wise men have gone back by another way and been warned. Remember remember what he does to preserve his kingship and his rule? Listen, go down to Bethlehem and kill all the newborns. Oh, by the way, make it up to age three so that we just make sure that we get them all. Can you imagine? Um Sometimes power and influence can breed great arrogance and pride. Pilate says to Jesus, Don't you know that I have the power to take your life? Jesus simply said you would have no power unless it was given to you. Oh boy, what an encounter between the Lord's anointed and the powers of this world. Oh, my dear friends, do not be discouraged at the evil of the rulers of this day in the world. Matter of fact, with fear and trembling, take it as an opportunity to turn to your Lord and worship Him and serve Him. Because I tell you what, the story is not over. There is much to give account for. And it's very sad when people take into their hands the moral things of God and they themselves pretend to be God. They make decisions morally for the whole world. Some 30 of the Roman emperors, there was one uh, Roman emperor who pitted himself against uh, the Lord and especially against Christianity. Nero was one of them. Um, there were many of the Roman rulers by the way Herod died do you know how it uh, it ends with Herod Uh, Joseph and Mary by the Spirit had been told to go down to Egypt and all the scriptures say next and it says and Herod died period and Herod died and Herod died And Joseph and Mary came back home. We do well to proclaim that our time on this earth as vessels of clay will not be forever. And we declare that to the nations and to the rulers and the kings of this world. The tyranny will not last. And if we take unto ourselves the things of God and we take upon the things that only belong to Him, My dear friends, you should, with trembling and fear, recognize the hand of God. Doesn't Psalm 2 speak to you? And I'll tell you, the next section, this first section, I'll read it again. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? Listen to that. Notice the council together. The kings of the earth take their stand. And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. And they say, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Wow, how arrogant. It calls us then as God's children to humility before our God. To submit to Him and don't let the world and the things that it devises uh, sway you discourage you keep your heart fixed upon the lord and the next little section uh, verse 4 through 6 is god's response these sticks of clay down on the on the earth have said let, let us tear ourselves away from from god and Let's let's just separate from everything that that God would have us to do. And you know, I like what Spurgeon said. He said, "Boy, it was a futile expression." <laughs> he said, "The first three verses are a futile expression uh, to break away from God." And verse four through six: He who sits in the heavens laughs; the Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. But as for me, this is what the Lord God says: I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. And, it, and it's in this uh, response of God Himself. This is one of the only places I find in the Bible that God laughs, and and we may think it is some kind of mockery. And and it's it's not that. Uh, can you imagine? Um, the created thing saying to the Creator, I know better than you. Well, that would make you laugh, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> and there's this sense that this is a holy laugh. This is a sense of, what? Are you serious? <laughs> it's kind of one of those laughs, you know, uh, the Lord sits in heaven, he laughs. And he scoffs at them. And I, I've always reminded of uh, the Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And uh, the prophets of Baal, well, you, you, know, the, you need to call on him. Maybe he's on a vacation. Uh, maybe, maybe he's just left the house and you can't get him. Uh, you, you know, what you need to do is just keep trying, keep trying, and they collapse and everything, you know. And um, Elijah says, in order that they may know, in order that they may know that you, O the Lord God. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And Elijah prayed. God showed forth his power and his hand. Uh, What is it that the thing made of clay says to the maker and the creator, we're going to tear our fetters apart and we're going to cast your cords away from us. We're going to disconnect from you, God, And what I want to say to you as, as Christians, that's impossible, isn't it? Christians, <laughs> look at the Word of God. Look at what God says. It's not going to happen. <laughs> impossible, no matter how hard you may try. And notice God's reaction. The Lord scoffs at them. Then He will speak to them in His anger. Just think, a word. All God has to do is speak a word. And those who are His enemies are dispelled. How is it that man in his sin can become so arrogant? To think that he is going to outdo God. And I say, when I look at the situation at the present time in the world, I'm amazed. Do you really think that you're going to be successful in thwarting God's purposes and His hand? And God lets us know that, no, even with a word then He will speak to them in His anger and terrify them in His fury. But as for me, the Lord God says, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. Um, they've taken their the rulers of this world and the nation, taken their stand against the Lord's anointed. And the Lord God says, I'll, I'll, I'll not only speak a word in my wrath and my anger, and my fury will come upon you just like that. But, by the way, I want you to know, I have installed my King. I've installed my Redeemer. I've installed the Lord, my servant, my anointed. It's done. (laughs) And I want you to see the emphaticness of that in the contrast to uh, the fury of the world in rejecting the Lord. But as for me, the Father is speaking But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. He's already king on the throne. And you want to take his place? God, the Father says, I don't think so. And some today we, we look at the world and we get a little concerned, don't we? Boy, things are pretty bad. Um, think about the time again of Herod. Think about of some of that was one particular Roman emperor who declared his uh, his declaration against Christianity and against um, against the Lord, and he he took the expanse of the Roman Empire even as far as Spain. And he erected a monument, uh, at the borders, two monuments, one at one border and one at the other border. He erected it with his name on it, and he said, uh, see, to to my glory, I have dispelled the work of the Galilean. That's what, that's what is on the monuments. I have dispelled the work of the Galilean. Well, just in the very next year, he was, he was killed in battle. And he was bleeding and he was dying to death and he was on the ground. And he picked up the blood-soaked dirt and he threw it up into the air and he said, Here you are, Galilean! (laughs) And he dies. Throws his blood and the dirt up in the air. Here you are, Galilean! How many have railed upon... Think about the Roman Empire and the rulers. There was one who rules and et tu, Brute? <laughs> His own senators kill him. Several others die of disease. Of, of 30 of the Roman leaders, 30 of them died violent and ugly deaths and yet they proclaim themselves to be God and we too if we take our stand against the Lord and declare ourselves to be God and that we know better than He does we too will come to the same position we need to humble ourselves before God and verse 7 Through 9, there the Lord speaks. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, Thou art my Son. Today I have begotten Thee. As for me, I will surely give the nations as Thine inheritance and the very ends of the earth as Thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt shatter them with earthenware. And did you know that that refers to the Great Commission? That the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ as He gives Himself upon Calvary uh, he dies for the propitiation of our sins uh, he 's buried, and on the third day he raises again he 's ascended into heaven, and therefore he says to his church, "What go ye therefore into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always I, and lo, listen to this king. Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I love Isaiah where it talks about the suffering servant. And there it talks about the servant giving himself. By his stripes you've been healed. Uh, He bore our iniquities in his own body. And then as you read on down later, it says, but yet uh, he shall see the fruit of his labor. He shall see the fruit of his labor. And the nations shall bow before Him. And and the earth and the kings of the earth shall be given to Him as an inheritance. And the earth shall rejoice of the King of righteousness. My dear friends, it's, a, it's amazing that the story's not over yet, is it? Do not be discouraged by the day or the work that the Lord has given you to do in the life of His church. For it is work that is born in the very decree of God Himself through His Son in the life of His church. And it will stand. And we need to, with fear and trembling, serve Him. And then we know that at the end of this particular psalm, there's an uh, exhortation for us to bow before the Lord. Now, therefore, O King, show discernment. Take warning O judges of the earth, worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son. Uh, kiss the Son, lest He become angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed, how blessed are all those who take refuge in Him. Just trust us. We'll take care of you. I mean, listen. Blessed are those who take refuge in the Lord. I love the way this psalm ends. Because it calls us to, uh, to pay homage to the Son. And that's just not a, a willy-nilly invitation, is it? Is it about trusting the Lord? Oh, please, please trust the Lord today. You, you know you really need to trust the Lord and I'm begging you. Listen, my dear friends, the Word of God doesn't have to beg you. It warns you. It warns you. O king, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth, and the warning is to us. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. That is, you as believers should worship the Lord with joy, but also with reverence. It's interesting those two things are put together rejoice with trembling and I like the expression kiss the sun the idea was submission you said that before the king uh, he would have the royal insignia and those who were in submission would kiss the ring to show submission and that picture is is there kiss the sun do homage worship the lord and what is you see we don't understand that there are consequences to sin And man has lost that today in his relationship with God. There are consequences to sin. Do homage to the Son, lest He become angry. And you perish in the way. For His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all those who take refuge in Him. Where is our resting place? Where is our hiding place when judgment comes? Is it not under the wings of the Almighty in the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen. Psalm 2 is a psalm to be reckoned with in your relationship with God. Take it to heart and do not be discouraged by the day. Because, dear friends, there is a day of accountability. There is the day of judgment. There is the day that we sticks of clay have to lay down our life. And all that we have done, all that we have hoped for, all that we have lived for, we will lay down before the Master. Or we will be pronounced with the same category of these who have taken their stand against the Lord. It's a powerful picture, isn't it? May the Lord be with you. May you serve the Lord with great joy, but with great trembling and fear. May you know Him, no matter how small, that He has saved you by His grace. And know that there is a coming judgment in the world that that will take care of the matter altogether. And I hope that that rests upon your heart. And the Lord God will be the one who will do this. And the Lord God will be the one who will save you in His Son, Jesus Christ. May the Lord be with you. May His church kiss the Son. And may we rejoice in it. that We've taken refuge in Him. May God have mercy upon the world that's taken its stand against Him. May the Lord be with you. May He lead you in this world. Let's pray together. Father, we bow before You and we look at this Psalm 2 and we see the uh, relationship of the Lord God as the servant of the Lord, the anointed one, the Messiah, come into this world and the world's reaction. And Lord, we're we are we're pretty sure that this exhortation of Scripture, for us all to submit to the Son, we know that, Lord, the kings of this world will not do that. They have no intention of giving up what they believe they have. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see today with eyes spiritually that are clear. Oh, Holy Spirit, speak to us about the day in which we live. Speak to us about the spiritual matters addressed in this psalm. Lord, help us. Grant us the privilege to take refuge in You. For Christ's sake.